This is 10 Minutes at the Bar with Michael Team. You give us 10 minutes, we give you the world of Miami law. Curtis. Welcome. Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. Looking forward to it. Good. So what's, what place did you choose here uh, for your 10 minutes at the bar? This is Small Tea in Coral Gables, just what? down the street from Books and Books. Why did you choose this place, this uh, really progressive, um, hipster type of place, given your conservative law life? I chose it because I thought you would appreciate it. I know, <laughs> I know you like a good organic tea. <laughs> love, love my organic tea. What would you get me here? Some red coconut type of Thailand? All I know is What's it, it had... The, had Robois in it, R-O-B-O-I-S, from South Africa. Wow. I assume it's not a, a, a Schedule One substance. I assume it's legal. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> most of those are legal now, in, at, le- at least in California and Massachusetts, yeah. Maine, um, Colorado, and soon to be Florida. Uh, are you pro-medical marijuana? I am, yeah. Why? Um, you know, just, you know, all the literature I read, all the science I read on it. Do you actually read some science on it? Well, Science Times. <laughs> New York Times science section. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Curtis, um, you are one of the leading lights of our bar here in South Florida, and uh, it's really an honor to spend 10 minutes with you. I, um, I wanted to give you a chance to, you know, talk a little bit about yourself, uh, given our very strict uh, requirements of this program, which are we have a 10-minute limit, and everything else is um, just what I really want to talk about. But you, 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 I asked you for a favorite quote uh, that you live by before, which is really the only thing we talked about beforehand, and, and what is that? I, I've always liked the quote, or maybe it's a mantra, uh, accumulate experiences, not stuff. So do you live by that? I try to, yeah, I try to. Tell me about that. Tell me how you, give me an example, how have you lived by it? You know, I've never sort of focused my goals on acquiring things, buying things. Um, but I do, I, you know, I try to, you know, soak up every moment I have with my family. We've got two teenage kids and a wonderful wife, and we love to travel. We love to spend time together. And, you know, to me, those are the, the most important things as opposed to, you know, what sort of stuff we've accumulated. That's nice. Uh, did you go any place this summer, summer vacation? We did. We did. Um, we went to France for the 75th anniversary of Normandy. So we were on, oh my gosh. We were on Omaha Beach on June 6th of this year. Did, did you read D-Day by Stephen Ambrose? Read that. Read some of the reporting by Ernie Pyle. Uh, read Rick Atkinson's uh, final book in the, the Liberation Trilogy, which is about the D-Day invasion and the, the war in Europe. So what was the, what was the coolest, the most impactful memory from your trip to Normandy? Oh, easily. The first, a lot of the, the veterans are still alive. You know, they're in their 90s. And the moment we met our first veteran um, who was in his 90s and had a, a name tag on in his photo, and my son and I walked up to him. He had landed landing craft on Utah Beach. He was in the second wave. And I looked at the photo and I said, how old were you when that picture was taken? And he said, well, it says 18, but I was actually 17. Oh my god! Because I lied. And that's the exact age my son is. So the concept of my son, who can barely drive, landing a landing craft on, on Utah Beach was just, just mind-blowing. And so these guys were just walking around the, the cemetery, or was there, is there a museum there? Yeah, they were, um, they were 
groups and organizations that had brought them back, and they were they were at each of the key sites: Utah Beach, Omaha Beach, um, Gold Juno Sword Beach, at the museums. Um, there were some around, and it was amazing to just see them and go up and talk to them. What what kind of physical shape was this guy in? He was in a wheelchair. Um, but we also saw a guy from the 101st Airborne, which I might get this wrong, but I think that's the Screaming Eagles, who did the airdrop uh, in the middle of the night on June 6th around St. Mary Glace. And he was walking around. He, he was walking around Pont du Hoc, which is hiking paths, and, and uh, uh, he was still very spry. So I have had the good fortune of being able to work with you on, on a couple matters, and I, I have noticed... and. Uh, maybe you're not as aware of it, that you actually have some strict, uh, what would appear to me to be rules about how you triage your work when it comes to emails and, um, and hours. I mean, it seems to me that you're one of those people who's able to turn off email and really focus at the, um, on the task at hand, and then you, you come back to emails later. Uh, at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, and then that's it. I do, and this is something I've really tried to change in my practice in the past few years, and it really comes from everything I've learned about how electronics and distractions affect kids. So it's, it's the same advice I give my kids when they're doing their schoolwork, when they're doing their homework. But, you know, our asset is lawyers. You know, we can't hit home runs. We can't throw touchdowns. Our asset is our... Speak for yourself. <laughs> our asset is our, is our brains and our judgment. And all the, all the research, all the studies show that, you know, to perform your best when you're doing the sort of hard work we do, reading complicated things, writing complicated things, you got to avoid the distractions. You got to get away from the emails. You got to get away from the texts. Um, if, if you write on the computer you got to be on a screen, but you got to find a way to not constantly be distracted. So physically, what do you do? Give, give, you know, a big purpose of this podcast is to give some advice and, and um, enlighten, enlightenment, new perspectives to, to young lawyers or junior lawyers coming into the profession. Yeah. So, so tell us, what, what do you do? It's two pretty simple things. One, what I've got, I, I try to, first I try to pick times when I'm going to focus and clean out all my emails. When I first wake up, maybe when I first get to the office, then I'll take a break for them, maybe try to do them again before lunch and again at the end of the day. And if I have something complicated I need to read, a big brief or you know, case law I need to read, I physically separate myself from my computer and my phone. I just go sit in a different part of the office. I turn my phone over, leave it on my desk, uh, make sure I've got no pings. You know, I don't have any the volume on on my computer, and I just get what I've done. I, get done what I need to get done away from the electronics. I've noticed something else about your practice. You are really, really mindful and considerate of staff and of not uh, sending them emails after hours and on weekends. <laughs> How do you tell us about that? Um, yeah, what I do is I just, I write the emails. You know, maybe, you know, I travel a lot, so I'll be flying at strange times. I'm an early riser, so I'll do it in, you know, like all of us, I, I work on the weekends sometimes. So I'll write the emails and I'll just save them in the draft file. And then I'll wait till it's business hours on Monday. I'll wait till Monday at nine or Monday at 9.30. And then just go through them all and hit send, 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 send. Are you known for that at your firm? I don't know if I've ever told anyone that. Maybe they just think I don't work on weekends. Or <laughs> they, they think you only work between 8.58 and 9.02 on Monday mornings uh -huh. and that you send and that 100 emails. Really, yeah, I could type really fast. <laughs> really? <laughs> so... 
I, I'm sure that I'm sure you're known for that. Um, look, so let's go through some of the some of the our our uh, standard set of uh, Proustian Vanity Fair style right. questions. That, Fire away. Um, so, uh, who's your favorite living lawyer? Not in your law firm. Living lawyer. Let me give you two. Now start with one. Okay. Because two, that's a different rule. I mean, that's not the, that's not the question. Um, how about Bob Mueller? Okay, you know, and not so, you know the the Mueller report, you know, different views on that. But for his whole career, just the way he's always been the straight arrow of straight arrows. You know, when he was U.S. Attorney in San Francisco at Department of Justice, I had some interaction with him when he was the head of the FBI after September 11th, um, and just the way he's just sort of the 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 consummate prosecutor's prosecutor. Um, and the way he, he comported himself through the, the whole investigation, regardless of what you think of the outcome of the report. Kurt, you had a, a, a brilliant career as a federal prosecutor, uh, particularly in doing public corruption cases in, in Miami. Have you thought about going back into government? Um, I have. You know, I always uh, I want an important part of my career to be public service. I'm trying to find ways to do that while I remain in private practice because I love the firm I'm at. Um, but, you know, that's something I'm always going to be interested in through the rest of my career. And you're at the Colson Hicks firm, yep. just to give a little plug. Thank you. So, Colson.com. <clears throat> um, how about your favorite living lawyer in Miami? Like, maybe, because I, I don't think I'm going to get Bob Mueller on this podcast, at least until I hit 400 episodes. He probably won't get his attention. Um, how about a, a I'll tell you my favorite lawyers or or area of law practice, because it ties into who the second living lawyer I wanted to give you was. Okay. Um, and I wanted to give you Brian Stevenson, who's uh, head of the Equal Justice Institute. But I'm always really impressed by our public defenders, state and federal. I think it's, I mean, you know from being a, an AUSA, I just think it's one of the hardest jobs to do. Um, you're not paid well. You're overworked. You've got to deal with difficult clients. And you know, let's be frank, a, a significant majority of the time, they're actually guilty of what they're charged with, but you serve such. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> but they serve such an important function, and it's sort of they, you know, in a way, it's like they're they're the D-Day soldiers, right? They're the ones who have to, you know, charge into 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 the the fire. Uh, but it's so important what they do. All right, so let's talk about um, you're a litigator. Uh, what is your um, most embarrassing moment in court? Um, you know, one of my most embarrassing moments is also sort of tied to one of my proudest moments, and it was a federal criminal case. My co-counsel was uh, someone who's now on a, is a federal magistrate, and it was a high-profile case. Cause who was your co-counsel? Jackie Becerra. Okay. You should also Great lawyer, interview. yeah. You should also interview if Great she's lawyer. able to do it. And it was a high-profile case because we were prosecuting uh, a handful of City of Miami police officers, and the allegation was that they had beaten a subject. Um, um, and midway through the trial, we put on a witness who was a civilian witness, had no apparent ties to the person who had been beaten, and in cross-examination, uh, a brilliant defense lawyer got him to admit that he had lied on the stand, that he had lied to us, and he had literally lied just moments ago when I was doing his direct examination <laughs> um, on a significant fact, on a significant fact. Who is the defense lawyer? Richard Sharpstein. Uh, rest in peace. Yep. One of the true, true, true greats. Yep. Um, so, 
we were absolutely panicked. How? What do you do when it's your turn to stand up and redirect and a witness you had vouched for by calling mm. and literally admitted to lying to the jury 20 minutes ago? So what'd you do? We made the quick judgment. I'm, I'm sure what you did was you depended on Jackie to, <laughs> to bail you out. You handled the redirection. <laughs> uh, you excused yourself and went to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, we made a quick judgment call that we couldn't in any way, vouch, we couldn't ask any questions. We couldn't try to rehabilitate him. We couldn't try to vouch for him in any way. And so just said no questions. And then what we did that night is actually one of my proudest moments, which is we went back, we talked to some very wise people and considered what we should do. And regardless of how high profile a case it was, regardless of how sort of contentious it had been, we walked in the next morning, walked up to the defense lawyers and said, we're going to be dismissing the indictment oh, and announced so it to you. Judge Altanaga that we're dismissing the case. I'm so proud of you. Do you have some, um, some advice to young lawyers starting out or um, something you would have done differently uh, in your career looking back um, at the early stages? Use the early part of your career to do something where you really, whatever area of the law, I mean, we're litigators, so I'll, I'll focus on that, but do something like be a public defender, state or federal, be a prosecutor, state or federal, or find other ways that gets you real experience of getting into court, having to do stuff on your feet, dealing with sort of ordinary people, dealing with, you know, the types of people you deal with in criminal cases. And I think you, you can find that in other areas of the law too, whether it's personal injury practice, family law practice, um, legal services, but do something early in your career that gets you that, that type of experience. I think firms and lawyers really value it later on. Curtis Minor, it's uh it's such an honor to, to have a few minutes with you. This is a, a good reason why we should probably change the name of this podcast to 15 minutes at the <laughs> bar instead of 10 minutes. Thank you a lot for all your time, and um, we hope we get you, get you back here. And I, I know you're speeding back to the office now, so um, Godspeed to you. No, thanks, Mike, but we got to finish our organic teas. Yeah. Um, thankfully, you bought it. <laughs>